This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Like, I'd start by saying, let's take a look at where are you spending your time this week? Are you spending mm. more time scrolling Instagram or listening to your chosen news feed uh, or your echo chamber than you are listening to others or learning or spending time in prayer? I mean, I think mm -hmm. that, that one right there gets me every week. <laughs> What does it look like to love God, to love our neighbors, and to love our country? We talk about ideas of Christian nationalism, what it looks like to be patriotic, and what might be the hope for the church in America and around the world as so many people are dealing with more populist movements. In this conversation, I chat with Bryce Hales, and we together interview Angie Ward, who is the general editor of Kingdom and Country. Listen in. Welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. I am joined today by my husband, Bryce Hales, and he's the pastor of Trinity Presbyterian. And today we are both chatting with Angie Ward. She's the assistant director of the Doctorate of Ministry program at Denver Seminary and editor of Kingdom and Country. We're so glad to have you here, Angie. So glad to be with you. Thank you. So your book, the subtitle is, well, that you edited is Following Jesus in the Land That You Love, talking about mm. God's kingdom and the country in which we live. So why, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but how have you articulated this need for this book? Um, you know, you write about even engaging questions of kingdom and country about poking the bear. Yeah. Uh, so do, do you feel like you poked the bear here? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, questions? you know, when I, when I, when people said what's, cause this is part of a series, this is the second book in a series with NAD press called kingdom conversations. The first was sort of born out of the pandemic, but not limited to. So it was when the universe cracks, living as God's people in times of crisis. But as we started envisioning this series, I'm like, we we need to do a kingdom conversation on this topic yeah. of kingdom and country. And so people say, well, what's the next book in the series? I'm like, well, kingdom and country. And I get this this look that my dog <laughs> gives me when I'm he thinks I'm kind of crazy, kind of cocks his head and people go, really? Either like, that's going to be good or why that? I mean, I think we all, mm -hmm. we just all know, and this, you know, we kind of conceived of this book almost two years ago now, but it, you know, it, it, nothing's gotten better. If, if anything, it's gotten kind of worse and more polarized and now we're coming mm -hmm. into, you know, election cycle again. And so it's just, um, we need to be talking about this in a healthy conversation, yeah. not just shouting at each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Angie, can you define for us what Christian nationalism is and 
uh, maybe how that's different from just something like patriotism. It, it feels like a a phrase that is very um, maybe amorphous or or like when somebody says, well, this is Christian nationalism. It's very easy for the the person on the other end of that to say, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? or, yeah. Or or increasingly, I, I, I feel like I've noticed the, the phrase like national conservatism being used more hmm. recently. And I, I wonder, are those the same things or yeah, maybe just give us a definition of, of terms and what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it partly depends on who you're talking to and how they would define themselves. And so, you know, national conservatism, to me, Christian nationalism is different from patriotism, like you said. I, I think, um, you know, um, patriotism is, a, is, um, is good. I think it's good to have kind of a sense of place and of country and location um, and like God's not against countries or anything. I think nationalism, nationalism is putting um, your country above all others, or even kind of making that your idol, uh, kind of equating, you know, you're just kind of making an idol of your particular country and your narrative about it, uh, its founding, its beliefs and kind of thing. And, and um, I think some clues, like if you, if you can't even have a conversation about patriotism right. and these issues, I feel like that borders on nationalism if if your side or your people whatever that is whoever that is if they can do no wrong and the other side can do no right to me that's like another sign you know you're, you're right. and and you're equating that with faith like that's the only way to god or the only christian way i think that's where it can become unhealthy and become uh nationalism over versus patriotism I mean, I wonder if one of the issues here is that um, the phrase that I've often kind of used is like nat, uh, Christian nationalism adjacent, where, you know, like a, this very overt, uh, I don't know, I mean, it can almost be like a, I don't want to use the phrase, the word Nazi, because then the conversation just devolves, right? But like, th there, there's yeah. an overt Christian nationalism, but then there's something that feels like right next to it. And I, and I feel like mm. that often is uh, the conversation within the Christian church that's really problematic um, because uh, maybe somebody's not saying, okay, I think America is the only country um, that God smiles on. But the way that you're talking sort of implies that. Yes. God, God smiles on all countries, but wants them to be like ours is kind of the subtext to it. You know, it's like, that, that's, that's okay. You know? So yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people would, would, would pay lip service to what you're saying, which is um, yeah, sure. God smiles on all countries, but, but then the reality is, but, but with, we're exceptional. Right. And therefore better and, and, you know, special and chosen and all the things that come with it, I guess. Um, and, and I think it's sometimes also um, idolizing things which are just symbols, um, not just the country, but uh, the, the symbols that um, represent it. So you, you give, um, I, can say, I think, uh, un, undue weight to um, 
Oh, I mean, I'm going to say the flag and somebody's going to get upset about it, but we're going to go there because I poked the bear with the book, right? So, yeah, there you so, go. Here I mean, we go. Like these, these things um, and, you know, parades are different. I don't know, whatever, like every country has different symbols and the, and like nationalism is not a, just a danger in the United States. We're seeing this globally. We've seen it historically. One of the chapters in the book talks about that, you know, and so, so, um, but with that then comes these symbols that are like elevated and, and how you treat those symbols you know, becomes this test of whether you're in or out and all that kind of thing too. Um, and so it, it's a big tied up thing. And let me be clear, like this book, we don't really specifically say this book is about Christian nationalism. We really try to make it focused on discipleship first, like looking at your country through the lens of discipleship instead right. of like the topic of Christian nationalism is more about like a disciple of Christ. Um, behaviors in light of where we live. For sure. Where do you think we've gone astray as far as the church not discipling us well to be good citizens? You know, if we're, if we are now, right, having this conversation like we are on yeah. Christian nationalism, you know, and, and part of your book and your work is to try to say, okay, like, let's take 50,000 foot view or, you know, several decades back and try to begin to disciple people in ways so that we, we don't get to this point where we've equated God's kingdom with our own nation. How uh, do we, yeah. How do yeah. we move forward? Well, so that's several questions wrapped up in there. I know. a lot of great questions. Uh, so I think how do we get here? There's, or, you know, the, there's twofold problems. One is we don't know how to have conversations. We're not civil. Right. We've lost, uh, many of us have lost the, the skill of being civil. And so, you know, everybody says, you know, I do these, these shows and podcasts and people say, is it different today? And I go, well, you know, I'm 52. It seems to be way more polarized. And everybody I talk to seems to have this sense. My dad, who's 92, almost 93, served in Korea. He says, absolutely, it's different. Mm. So like, so um uh, in tone and in intensity, I think the conversation has just gotten so charged. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then I, so there's that piece of like, how do we as the followers of Christ even have, um, grace toward each other and the fruits of the spirit in our conversations and in our lives and, and what we say and do. Um, but then there's the whole, like, where does country fit in our discipleship? And mm -hmm. so, um, and I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Part of it is, you know, we see, I've seen pastors, you know, you know pastors and ministry leaders who the um, people leave their church because the person who's in authority at their church doesn't, says something they don't like. And so now we punish pastors for challenging our belief systems, you know? And so, I mean, so there's, there's kind of a, an individualism there's, mm -hmm. you know, that's partly a function of postmodernism. That's not entirely to blame, but all these things kind of wrapped up have created this perfect storm. Yeah. That's mm. good. Yeah. And so Angie, you work in a, with a D-men program, right? And and maybe yeah. even just to clarify, because I, I'm a D-men student myself. And when I say to people that I'm doing a D-men, they're like, wait, you're what? You get <laughs> so, a D-men. I know. I've yeah. all the jokes. Yeah. I yeah. Know. So right, a, right. a doctorate of ministry for people who who don't know is is sort of a practical doctorate for uh, ministry leaders and church practitioners. Uh, so that that's what your work is focused on. So you're concerned about how kind of theology relates to practice and specifically to practice in the church. 
And um, I mean, how, how are you thinking now about preparing pastors and ministry leaders to engage in those questions? Because I, I know for myself and for, for so many pastor friends, it just kind of, it can feel like you're walking on eggshells. It mm-hmm. can feel like there's this temptation to, well, I'm just not even going to address mm-hmm. so many potential uh, potential explosive topics. Mm-hmm. And yet then we're not really discipling people in, in the concrete world that we live in. So right. how, how are you thinking about just helping pastors and ministry leaders um, engage these questions? Yeah, well, I think we're trying, at least what I'm trying to do, you know, with my students and, and leaders that I'm working with is coming from a centered approach versus bounded. Are you familiar with that term or that concept at all? I am, but yeah, just, I mean, explain that because yeah, I think that's and, really helpful. Yeah, I mean, Alan Hirsch, I think they talk about Michael Fra- in the forgotten mm-hmm. ways, but I mean, the, and, and um, the idea, and I think it works, um, you can apply a couple different settings. The, the idea that like um, in, in the West, if you want to keep um, people in a certain area, you build a fence to kind of keep their animals, you know, mm-hmm. like a ranch or whatever. Um, in Eastern cultures, you build a well. And so instead of boundarying, boundarying them, you they, they come to where the source of life is, to the centered. So centered mm-hmm. set versus bounded set. And so I'm trying to help leaders say, what's the centered approach instead of bounded and pushing mm-hmm. back on everybody and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, who's in and who's out? let's gather around Jesus, around the cross, around the table, around the, you know, around the word and, and around our unity in Christ. I mean, we've, we've lost all that as part of that too. And so, so it's a whole different, it's a posture shift. It's not a battling one another. A few years ago, I had a student asked me, he said, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the American church, um, right, or going to be? And this was kind of, it was before the 2016 election, but um, and I, it was a, ch- a class on ch- like church and culture leading in a rapidly changing context, which we're in, right? Um, mm-hmm. This was all pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think the, several of the students thought I was going to say, well, it's the culture and the this and the government and the this and the that, you know, all these outside things. And my answer to him, I, I think the same thing today. I think it's, I think we've forgotten or or lost or never even knew what it's supposed to be and mean and look like for us to be the body of Christ. Mm. And so I think the calls are coming from inside the house. Mm. And um, so I think we have to start ground zero. We're like, can we even have conversation, which is chapter one of this book? Like, mm. so if you're leading a church and, or a ministry uh, or a Bible study or a group, small group, like, can we even build the skills to have a conversation mm. around a charged topic? Um, and so mm-hmm. that's like emotional health as part of discipleship and spiritually before we even get to the, like, you know, what does the Bible say about this thing? Right. Um, because if we shut down and we cancel each other, we can't even have the conversation and our witness is suffering mm-hmm. and our unity is suffering. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. 
They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. It seems like one of the things that the pandemic especially has revealed and everything that's kind of come with it is just the shallowness of Christian discipleship. Yeah. And I wonder if part of, it's not really a solution isn't really the right word, but I, I wonder if maybe part of what God is doing is a sort of the church is going to have to come back and realize what we're actually here for, which yeah. is to build disciples. Yeah. I think it's a reckoning. I think what you said revealed is a great word. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it revealed all of our, unhealth and dysfunction, whether that's in our own family relationships, mm -hmm. uh, with our finances, but in our churches and, you know, ministries certainly as well. And so all of that has just been exposed and it's not pretty. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's a, a calling back. It's a, it is an opportunity, um, that revealing, you know, somebody go, some may say, Oh, uh, we don't want to see that. But mm -hmm. I think that revealing is good because it's exposed what's there and, and it gives us a starting point now going, okay, this is what we're really dealing with. And mm -hmm. um, like you said, I agree, you know, we're, what we're doing is not making full, full fledged disciples of Christ kind of top to bottom. <laughs> and, and again, that's what kind of this book, this whole series really is a discipleship focus. That's what we're trying to, trying to do. And all those pieces are tied up in that. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're, someone listening to this podcast and you're like, yes, you know, we failed at all of these large systemic structural things as the American church. What would you suggest to pastors, leaders, you know, concerned lay people to begin to start having these conversations or even to, you know, to approach some of these larger questions, but in their local context or in a weekly way, where does your average person begin? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think, one, just with our own, uh, checking our own hearts and our own, like back to basics kind of stuff. Like, um, because it's easy, even in that for me to say, uh, yeah, you need to work on that, you know? <laughs> right, and right, so right. instead of turning the mirror on ourselves and saying, you know, oh man, my small group really has an issue with this instead of going, what am I bringing to this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and how am I, uh, shifting my posture, creating safe, you know, spaces to have these conversations? Am I, you know, looking at the log in my own eye or the speck in my brother's and, or sister's eye, you know, and so I think this should be a, a humbling moment mm. um, for starting with humility in our own hearts and going, um, we don't have it all. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. My, my side, my sides, my people don't have it all right, you know, and, and, and starting with me, certainly just kind of, this would really just bring us to our knees, to the cross, to Christ, uh, in prayer, uh, in the word, but, but, you know, but, but these conversations are happening among people, these fights, this polarization is happening among people who all claim scripture, right. all claim to have the truth, many with very hot, you know, lots of education and degrees, but our, our, you know, so our, you know, they, we maybe claim orthodoxy, but our orthopraxy, mm -hmm. there's no, mm -hmm. there's not, we're not, 
we're not modeling Jesus in, in the conversation of all that. So I think it's just calling us back really to like the basics, follow me. What does that look like mm -hmm. to put every area of our life, including our patriotism under Jesus mm -hmm. Lordship? Amen. That's good. Where do you find like the, if there are just maybe a handful of really sticking points, um, whether it's kind of personal spiritual disciplines, or if it's this lack of emotional health that you've commented on, you know, would you be able to name maybe a few things that maybe are upstream from, you know, this presenting issue of Christian nationalism or this, um, uncivil, just conversations that are going on online, you know, the sense that we can check the right boxes, but we're not actually evidencing the fruit of the spirit in our interactions. Um, what would you say are kind of a, a handful of things that are upstream from this kind of presenting issue that's kind of got us to where we are today? Um, upstream meaning behind it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm, I'm understanding where, which way the stream is flowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Between yeah. California and Denver. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think, I mean, I think I touched on some of this, just this kind of, I think we've, uh, um, uh, partly it's epistemology question. Like where do we find truth? Well, how do we know what is mm. good and right and true? And, and so, um, if we're coming from different sources or disagreeing or discarding, you know, where people are coming from, then we're never going to come to agreement. You know, we don't even have an agreement on, um, it, it, you know, is there truth or authority and where do we find that, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so, um, and I, I'm, that's not my, um, original idea. I was reading that. I think that really, but it resonated with me just that yeah, this yeah. is really an epistemological mm. thing first about, um, who's, who's true, who's right, who's in charge, hmm. uh, I think is one of those things. And so that's why it can kind of like, well, I, you know, I think this, or I think that, and you're just wrong, you know, right. um, uh, is one piece of it. And, um, so again, and just kind of, so individualism, uh, yeah. this exceptionalism, um, not being able to see other people's perspectives. I think some, you know, it could be, uh, too insulated or isolated. Uh, I think we've got, we yeah. are more prone now to echo chambers with social media, you right. know, and, and tribalism. So I, I don't know, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so hard is, you know, it really is kind of this ecosystem of, of issues, like you were describing right. as this kind of perfect storm, but um, you know, and I even think with the pandemic, so much of our outrage has been provoked just from feeling out of control. Right. And, yeah. and, and yes. fear. Yeah. And that's what actually the first book in the series was about. Like um, it's because uh, it's when the universe cracks, it's like a crisis is a crack in the universe moment is what mm -hmm. that phrase was taken from. And so, yeah, we just feel unsettled and like um, we want some stability and we just, but, you know, looking, where does that come from? I mean, I think if you're a pastor or, you know, a, a spiritual leader, ministry leader, you, again, you just go, like, I'd start by saying, Let's take a look at where are you spending your time this week? Are you spending mm. more time scrolling Instagram or listening to your chosen news feed uh, or your echo chamber than you are listening to others or learning or spending time in prayer? I mean, I think mm -hmm. that that one right there gets me every week. <laughs> right. For sure. You know, so um, uh, 
you know, where are you going for truth? What's your, you know, um, are you viewing the people around you, even if they, if you, they come from different perspectives as created in the image of God? What does the Imago Dei really mean when lived out to that idea that even my worst enemy is someone I'm supposed to pray for and someone who has God's image on them? I mean, that's, yeah. that should be life-changing stuff. Yeah. And that, if you're working on that, it takes a lot of time and energy away from yelling at everybody else, I think. Does in my life. Yeah, that's great. I think, thanks for, you know, bringing it down to even just maybe do a time audit. You know, you can, yeah. your phone now tells you how long you're on all your apps. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's not hard. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm just saying. Really grassroots, because I think, you know, we're, we're not in a, we're, we're moving toward a post-Christian, you know, post-modern, post-Christian, all that too. And so all the assumptions are kind of out the window. And so right. I think we need to start from scratch. And what does, what does it look like to follow Jesus day, day by day, minute yes. by minute? Well, thank you for bringing some hope in the midst of <laughs> I don't know. what can yeah. feel, you know, alienating and polarizing. Um, well, and yeah, yeah, I mean, Christ is, is, should be our hope, not, that's the only place we can really find it. I mean, because, uh, you know, I'll get people, uh, well, I'm so, so angry at, Trump or Biden or or Boris Johnson or Liz Truss or whatever, whoever is your leader is whatever country, you know, or city local, whatever kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah, of course you're disappointed. They're going to that <laughs> it's like, yes, what did you expect? You know, um mm -hmm. uh, none of those people are are Jesus Christ, you know. Right. So so I think it's a check on and I think our emotions, uh, back to the emotional intelligence, are are a, um, a clue or a cue for us for like how much we've invested in that, mm -hmm. in those those topics mm. or those things or those people or those those you know, quote saviors, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't remember who, but someone you know talked about emotions as kind of the dashboard light, you know, on. Oh yeah. Like just like there's something going on, and you need to lift yeah. the lid and see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially some of those the anger yeah. often masking. Yeah. Where yeah. our allegiance lies. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, as we conclude, I always love to get, ask all of our guests about their laundry routine and it comes from Kat Kathleen Norris. And she is, uh, she came back to her, her Catholic faith because she saw the priest cleaning out the, the chalice in the Eucharist and the sense that God is, oh, is wow. actually, invested in the mundane you know she's like god does the dishes so um is that from the cloister walk or what was that from? no it's in the quotidian mysteries okay this, oh, wow. this short little okay. lecture she gave so cool yeah so i'd love to hear your laundry routine what does your mundane <laughs> task look like my mundane task is um i'm i'm a very structured person and my husband and my sons who are now young adults were laundry trained long time ago so i'm nice. only responsible for mine um, and uh, our master bedroom and 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 my my um, bath towels. So I do Saturday. I, we had days of the week assigned. So I have yeah. Saturdays. My husband had Mondays when our kids were home. They had their days of the week. And so I I do one load of lights and one of darks and then one of linens. I'm done. Nice. I'm not folding laundry perpetually. Our kids been doing their own since they were twelve. That's beautiful. Twenty one, twenty three. It is. It's a beautiful thing. Do you offer like training services? Because we could really use that. In our, <laughs> our kids do their laundry. It just never gets folded. It just sits in the hamper. Well, okay. So we didn't care if it if sat in the hamper. I mean, it's like you just had to have your 
the machine empty by the next person's day right. and what you do with it from there. And if you didn't do it on your day, that's on you, man. If you don't have clean clothes, <laughs> all right. Well, and if it's, if it's all wrinkly, you want that wrinkly in your basket, in your, in your bedroom, that's fine. Yeah. It's not yeah. in my space. Yeah. Close yeah. the door. There's one thing we kind of, I uh, loosen my grip on. I have plenty of other things I try to control <laughs> that are way beyond my grasp, but laundry was one. I, that was a good one. You asked me. Thank you. You yeah. are so welcome. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for your, your thoughtfulness, for your encouragement and hopefulness to get back to those things that the basic things and that Jesus is Lord and we, we can practice being gracious towards one another and how, how marvelous might that be? Goodness. Yeah, hope so, right? Yes. Well, thanks. As you consider about what we do in this moment in time in fraught political years, I would encourage you just to simply take a few small steps. And the first is to do a time audit. Pay attention to what you are looking at, how long you are looking at it, and if you have diversified your reading, your thinking, your conversations around issues of politics. And the second small step I would encourage you to do besides doing that time audit would be to consider ways in which you are choosing to be intentionally formed by your local place and your local community. When you have a free moment, do you text someone from church? Do you volunteer for community functions? These are questions that we can begin to ask so we can see how we are being formed, not only by outside sources, but by our communities and by our communities of faith. Thanks, friends, for being here. It's so fun to have these conversations. If you haven't yet, please take a second to subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast. Remember, big things matter, but so does your laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.